Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. So over the last 19 years, I have done the same thing ever since for the last 19 years, over and over and over again, for the last 19 years, every single day. And the thing I do every single day for the last 19 years is I take several shots. Don't get nervous. I'm supposed to, okay? I'm supposed to because I am type 1 diabetic. I was diagnosed when I was 18 years old, had to go to ICU, was in ICU for about three or four days. My blood sugar level when I first got diagnosed, if you know anything about what your blood sugar should be, it was supposed to be between 80 and 130. Mine was 2400. And uh, you can't make that up. God has a plan, y'all. Um, yeah, and the doctor was in awe. It's always unnerving when the doctor's like, I don't know how you're alive. And you're like, thank you. But ever since that day, I have taken at least four shots a day. I take one that covers every meal that I will eat, or if my sugar gets high, I have to take an extra shot in order to correct it. And then I take another shot that's called my long-acting insulin that I have to do in order to keep my blood sugar level at bay even when I am not eating. And I do that every single day, not because I like taking shots, okay? Not because I think it's fun and I'm looking for something to do with my time. But the reason I choose the temporary pain of taking a shot every single day is so that I can be as healthy as I can be right now so that I can get to where God is calling me to go. Because at the end of the day, I want to be around so I can be a father to my kids. Also, I want to be around because I think my wife is pretty awesome. And I want to be able to spend as much time as possible with her. And the path in order to get me to that desired destination is taking a shot every single day. Now, sometimes my kids will look at me and um, they'll go, Daddy, does that hurt? And I go, sometimes, not every time. There are also times when I do it in a restaurant, my kids are like, please don't do that. And I'm like, well, I have to. And listen, sometimes waiters and waitresses are very intrigued. Like, oh, what are you doing? I just brought you water, but you're taking a shot. I'm like, it's okay. I'm diabetic. And they're like, they still give me that like sketchy look like, we don't believe you, but continue on. But I do this so that I can be a part and be here as long as I possibly can be. Another thing that I do almost every single day. And I know some of you are thinking, almost every single day? Yeah, I want to be honest with everybody. Almost every single day, I spend time with the Lord. Every single day, I try to cut out some time where I can spend time with the Lord. Why? Why do I do that? Not so that I can tell people that I'm spending time with the Lord, not because I'm supposed to, because I'm in ministry. No, because I have surrendered my life to Jesus. And if I want to live as Jesus lived and to do as Jesus did, I need to read about what he did and what he looks like. If I'm going to reflect Jesus, I have to sit in front of him so that I can best reflect him. And here's what is true. Sometimes it's not that convenient to read God's word. There are other things. There have been many a times where I go, God, I have so much work to do in your name that I don't have enough time to spend with you. 
which is a crazy thing to say. But the reason that I choose to do that is because the end goal is I want to look like Jesus. And so being disciplined and spending time with Jesus is not just I can check something off of a list. It's because I want to reflect Jesus in everything that I do. Because I recognize that if I'm going to be the best husband, I need for G- to look more like Jesus so I can be a better husband. If I'm going to be a better dad, I need to look more like Jesus so that I can be a better dad. If I want to be a better t- friend, you, uh, you get where I'm going with this. Because people don't need more of Nick, they need more of Jesus. But the only way to reflect Jesus and to look more like him is to sit in front of him in his word and to find out how he lived and navigate the same way. On the flip side of that, there is a place in Murfreesboro that is a place that's from the devil. Yeah, it's true. I'm convinced. I'm convinced it's from the devil. And not only is there one location, but there's more than one location. And this place has these delectable round things with holes in them. And it's called Donut Country, y'all. Listen, and I don't, listen, I'm, uh, that, that Satan's work, y'all. Um, there are times, I like me a good donut, right? I, I, I don't know if you are a donut fan or not, but there is a particular donut at Donut Country that just whispers to me. And she says, hey, Nick, come on over. And it is the Dutch crumb donut. Some of y'all just had a moment. You're like, praise him. No. (laughs) Now, here's the deal. Now, there is a donut country less than a mile away from the gym. And I think donut country did it on purpose. Because how do we start to think? We go, man, I just worked out. I deserve a treat. Don't we think that way? Like, sometimes we start working out and we gain weight. Why? Because we eat more. We're like, well, I was on the treadmill for four and a half minutes. I'm entitled to get eight donuts. <laughs> but here's the thing. Every day, Donut Country calls to me. It's like, Nick, come on. And every day, let me just go ahead and be real with you. I want to go. But me being type 1 diabetic... And also, if I ate a donut every single day, that is not a wise health choice. Would you agree with that? But yet I could temporarily go, you know what? It's just one decision. I'll just do it today. But then when I do it again and I do it again, it takes me on a path that I did not want to be on. And then I end up getting results that I did not want. Because I couldn't in the moment say no to the temporary because I had the long term in mind. Not only do I like donuts and food, y'all, but I like shopping. Not only do I like shopping, but I really like shoes. Like, and when I say I really like shoes, like probably every day I'm looking at new shoes. Online, uh, and I have an app on my phone that I need to delete because it is causing me to stumble. I'm going to get there one day and I'm going to delete it. But here's the deal. I love shoes. I like shoes and hats. I love them. But... These things about shoes, I don't know, there's just something about them. And you know what I love most? I'm going to share a little bit more than I probably share with you right now, but it's okay. My favorite part about getting a new pair of shoes is to open up the box, and you can kind of hear that sound. Oh! And then I do something that is really strange, and I hesitated to be honest with you, but I'm going to be real because we're all friends. So here we go. I take it out of the box. And the first thing I do, we have some other dysfunctional people in the room, is I smell it. 
Now, here's the deal. Some of y'all are like, I'm not weird. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. That is not normal, everyone. And here's the thing. I don't even remember the first time I did that. But now I've noticed that every time I get a new pair of shoes, I open up the box and I just go, yeah, smells like shoe, right? <laughs> and here's the thing. I am tempted to every day get online and buy a new pair of shoes. But here's what is true. If I was to do that every single day, that is not a wise financial decision. But yet I can very easily rationalize why I need a new pair of shoe and get a new pair of shoe. But if I want my end goal to be more financial security and be wiser in financial decisions, I cannot get to that end destination by choosing to buy a pair of shoes every single day. Because if I choose to do that, or if I choose to eat a donut every day, it is going to lead me to a destination, but it will not be the best destination. And the only way to get to the desired destination is to walk disciplined steps to where the Lord is calling me. Because here's what is true. We can choose discipline now, or regret will choose us later. Let me say that again. We can choose discipline now or regret will choose us later. You can choose temporary pain now. It's like me taking a shot every single day. It's temporary pain, but it's so I can best avoid greater pain later because of my lack of discipline and my poor choice making and discipline steps. We can choose discipline now or regret will choose us later. One of my favorite messages I've ever heard was by Andy Stanley, and I heard it at a conference several years ago. And he was preaching out of the text found in Genesis chapter 27. It's about uh, Jacob and Enoch. If you're familiar with this story, Jacob and Enoch were Isaac's sons, and Esau was the one, not Enoch, sorry, Enoch's the one that walked out, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the oldest son, which means he was next in line to receive the blessings of his father, more financial stability. He comes in from hunting, and Jacob has made some stew. And Jacob goes, hey, Esau, I will give you this bowl of stew if you give me your birthright. And as you read this story, you start kind of yelling at the people on the screen. You go, don't do it, Esau. Don't do it. But Esau does the thing that we all have been guilty of doing. He gives over his birthright to temporarily satisfy his desire and his appetite. And if you were to ask Esau later, like, Esau, why would you do that? He would probably say something like, well, in the moment I really wanted it. And so I took it. I wasn't thinking about the future. I didn't have my end in mind. I didn't think that trading my birthright would lead me to a place that I did not want to be. And Andy Stanley said this about desires and appetites. First thing he said was, God created our appetites and sin distorted them. See, God has given us desires, but sin came into the scene and it has distorted our view. And so what we do is sometimes we desire things that don't lead to the best place. Sometimes we desire things that will not bring life to the full. Sometimes we desire things in our flesh that will not lead to a destination in which we want to go. The other thing he said, our appetites or desires are never fully and finally satisfied. There is a Krispy Kreme donut being built on Medical Center. I don't know if y'all noticed that or not. I don't know if you've ever had a Krispy Kreme donut. Here's what happens with Krispy Kreme when the hot light is on. 
You get the boxes whispering to you like, oh, you eat one and you only mean to eat one, right? You're like only one donut, but Krispy Kreme donuts melt in your mouth. And then you don't really wake up from your sugar coma until you're already six in. Because the first time you take the first donut, it just wants you to eat more and more and more and more. That is what our appetites and our desires do. They are never fully satisfied, so it takes more and more and more and more. The reason why I keep looking at shoes, even though I have plenty of shoes, is because my desires say more, 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 more. And if you find yourself on a path and you go, how did I get here? Because your desires and your appetite just says, we want more. We want more. Satisfy us now. Because your appetites and your desires always whisper now and never later. You deserve this. You've run a mile. Eat eight donuts. It always whispers now and never later. It's like satisfy that temporary desire. Don't experience pain right now. Avoid pain so that you can partake in whatever it is you want to partake in. But yet, it always leads us to a place that we don't want to go when we give in to that temporary desire. When we decide not to live a disciplined life. So what does discipline even mean? I went to Webster's Dictionary and they define it this way. The practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. Which I think that's a fine definition, but Warren Wearsby gives a better definition that I love. He says this, discipline means giving up the good and the better for the best. Let me say that again. Discipline means giving up the good and the better for the best. And I know for some of us we're thinking, but Nick, you're just telling me that it's all about works and that if I do the right thing, then I'll get the right thing. You're just telling me to just work at it, work at it, work at it, and everything will be okay and God will love me more. That is not what I'm saying. Let me go ahead and say this. While yet you were a sinner, Christ died for you. So before you took a step, before you did anything, before you ever agreed with God, he loved you full on. That is grace. And so if you choose to live a disciplined life or you don't choose to live a disciplined life, it's not going to impact his love for you because he loves you full on right where you are. But what it will impact is the nature of the life you live and the destination you arrive at. And by agreeing with Jesus that, hey, because you know what you're doing, because you've navigated this life before, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to surrender my ways for your ways because your ways are better. So I'm not talking about a works-based faith. I'm talking about an agreeance-based faith, meaning I agree with what God says, so I'm going to take the next step he invites me to, and my faith is going to be built because I am trusting him to navigate my steps. It's an agreeance-based faith because we have been invited by Jesus to get in the yoke with him and to go where he is going. And I love that he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If we follow his ways and do what he has called us to do, it doesn't mean that it's always easy and always fun, but it does mean that we will eventually get to the desired location because we have been invited by a king to follow him because he knows the way because we don't. And so it will require 
trust. Here's what Timothy Keller says. The gospel is not about choosing to follow advice. It's about being called to follow a king. And us taking disciplined steps and following the king will lead us to the place that the king has invited us to walk. So over the next few moments, as we talk about choosing discipline over regret, I pray that the word of God, not my words, but the word of God will take root in your lives and that it will blossom fruit of goodness so that we know we are walking in the ways that God has called us to walk in. So I invite you right where you are. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you do. My prayer is over the next few moments as we dive into your word that our walls will come down, that we are able to hear a word from you. And not just a word that we hear, but Father, may it be a word that changes the next step that we have been called to take and that we will be willing to walk where you are leading us. So Father, we love you. Father, we thank you. And Father, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. This text, this passage, is kind of like a precursor or a preview to what Paul's going to talk about in chapter 10. So Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and he's reminding them of how to navigate in this life and choose what is best and how to get to the destination in which God has invited us to come. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says this. Do you not know... That in a race, all runners run. Can we pause right here for a second? If you are a runner, God bless you. But here's what I've noticed about runners. I have a buddy that runs every morning in my neighborhood. They are never smiling. Like, think about it for a second. I have never once seen a runner who's like, whoa, running, yeah. Not once. And here's the thing. I think most runners, they're not run. Some people just like to run. But I think with runners, they know that there is a bigger end goal in mind. I had a buddy who just ran a marathon. So he would run every single day because he kept the bigger end in mind. He had a more captivating of why. He knew that the reason he got up every morning was because he was training to run a marathon that would yield a medal and he would accomplish something greater than he ever thought he could accomplish. Like, so the reason in the day in and day out that runners are running, I believe, is not just to run, but it's because they have a greater goal in mind. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's whatever. But there's a greater goal in mind. And so they get out in the rain and they get out in the cold and they run because they have remembered the bigger goal in mind. And they go, you know what? This temporary pain and sacrifice is worth it for the end goal in mind. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want the most. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want the most. At the end of the day, I think most of us would agree that we want life to the full. And that's the invitation that Jesus invites us into. But yet, there are so many distractions and so many things that easily entangle us that we get wrapped up in them and then we end up walking down a path that does not lead to life to the full. And as Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, he's reminding them of some familiar things, which you will see a lot in Scripture. They take normal, everyday things to paint a bigger picture of the gospel. He's going, listen, 
You know about the games that are going on. The Ithian games, they're kind of like the Olympics. They're going on. You know about them. You know that the runners run a race, but they're not just running just to run. They're running for a prize. And here's the deal. The prize that they're going to win is temporary. The prize we get will last forever. He's like, so our race is a more worthwhile endeavor to begin to run. Verse 26. Therefore... I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. To choose discipline is to choose the pain of inconvenience now to avoid the pain of regret later. Let me say that again. To choose discipline is to choose the pain of inconvenience now to avoid the pain of regret later. I have recently been playing basketball with all younger guys. If you want to feel old, play with younger people, everybody. And so I've accepted the invitation to play basketball. I've had two hip replacement surgeries, and I haven't played basketball since I began on that journey. But I'm good. I've got these robotic hips. I'm ready to go, all right? At least I thought. So I remember the first time I showed up with all the younger guys going to play basketball and they picked the teams, which, by the way, is the most horrible thing ever. It just takes you back to being the chubby middle school kid. At least it did for me. I'm like, no one's going to pick me. But I got picked. I think they felt bad for me. And so I remember standing there and we started the game. And these particular guys I play with like playing full court. I don't know what's wrong with them. I asked myself the same question. But we began to play full court, and my body sent a message to my legs to run. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you've played a sport, and you stepped away for a while, and then you start playing again, and you think you're going to be at the same level in which you left. (laughs) That does not happen that way. And so I began to run, and I'm like, all right, let's run. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be swift. This is about to be awesome. So when I started running, I did the old man trot. And if you don't know what it is, it kind of looks like this. (laughs) And I don't know if you've ever had, like, dialogue with yourself. And I kept asking my question, is this all we got? Like, is this all there is? And so I kept running down the court. Then I was last one behind, so here we go again. And I kept running back and forth and back and forth. And here's the thing. I wanted to stop because I wasn't yet at a place that I felt like I was helping my team or where I wanted to be. I wanted to stop because it was inconvenient. I wanted to stop because as scar tissue is being broken out, as I am gaining more and more mobility, it is a painful experience. It is not a fun experience. But I did not stop. Because the reason I didn't stop, because I wasn't doing it so people thought I was an amazing basketball player. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to feel young again. I was doing it because I had a bigger end goal in mind. And here was my end goal. There's going to be one day where these beautiful kids that God has blessed me with are going to grow up. They're going to probably get married and they're probably going to have grandbabies. And in my mind, I thought to myself, if I can be more mobile now, if I can have more mobility now, then that probably means that the more mobile I am now, then one day when I have to get on the floor with my grandkids, I can probably be more mobile then. So it has little to do with just the act of basketball, but there is a bigger thing in mind, and that is discipline, that is obedience. 
Lord, because you are good and I know you are calling me to a better place, I'm going to take the steps necessary to get to the place in which you have for me to go. And it's sometimes not convenient and it's sometimes not fun, but when you keep the end goal in mind and you fix your eyes on Jesus, it's amazing how your feet follow where your eyes are fixed. And you end up in a place that truly is best. Why is it best? Because of the king whose steps you are following. Paul wrote a letter to his mentee, someone he was very close to, Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. He goes, hey, Timothy, I want to remind you that when you are obedient now, when you take discipline steps now, it's not just for the here and now, it's also for a life beyond this world. Like, remember, Timothy, you're not just walking this way just because you're doing it because of the king inviting you and because it truly is a better way to live. It is the best way to live. So that is why you say no to some desires now so that you can say yes to the better invitation. In the second letter he wrote to Timothy, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Verse 3. Join with me in suffering. Can we pause right there for a second? That is not a very engaging invitation, is it? Hey, Timothy, this is Paul. I just want to invite you to join with me in my suffering. And I'm sure Timothy is like, well, you know, I was going to go play volleyball, but suffering sounds amazing. (laughs) Yes, Paul. And and when you look at that invitation, you're going, "Uh, I don't know about that invitation. And then Paul goes on to explain what he means. Suffering is just a step in the process. He says, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly... Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight to all of this. He's going, listen, the reason I want to engage you in my suffering is because it's a necessary step on this journey to what is best. And we don't like to think about that. We, want, we like to think that once we said yes to Jesus, that we no longer have to experience any sort of pain. Why? Because we're not good with pain. Like, think about you experiencing an ache or pain. You're like, give me the aspirin. Let me cover that pain up with something as quickly as possible. But what I have learned is that sometimes by walking through the pain is a necessary step to get to where I want to go. And I don't like the pain, but if the pain leads me to a place that is better, I'll walk through it. And can I tell you, the Lord is leveraging our pain. He's leveraging the suffering to lead us to a place that is better. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul continues with thinking through this. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul goes, compared to walking with Jesus, nothing compares. Everything else is garbage. Because I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and I want to be where he is. Discipline is accepting the invitation from the Holy Spirit to walk a better way. I want you to think about something for a second. Think about the times in your life where you have had this dialogue. You know what? I'm in control. I'm just going to do this my way. You know what? I got this. Have you ever said that? I got this. How did that end up for you? What do you think about that for a second? When you go, hey, I'm going to satisfy this desire. I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to. How did that end up for you? But see, when we say yes to obedience and we say yes to discipline, we're accepting the invitation from the Holy Spirit to lead us to a place that is best. Not just good, not just great, but best. And we all want what is best. None of us said, you know what, at the end of my life, I just want my life to be mediocre. You didn't say that. You want what is best. And Jesus offers you life to the full. Even if sometimes it doesn't look the way we thought it would look, it is still best. Why? Because he is there. And that's at the end of the day where we really want to go. And then at the ending of his second letter to Timothy in this passage, he says this thing that I think we need to pay attention to. Verse 8, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Remember Jesus Christ. Like Paul was saying that to Timothy, but let me say unto you. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember that he is good and he invites us into what is best. Remember that he is the one that made a way when there was no way. Remember that even though it appeared that death had won, three days later, he overcame the grave. He keeps his promises. Even in the darkest of night, the sun is going to rise again. Remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I love that. Even if we choose not to live a disciplined life, even if we choose not to say yes to what is best, he is still faithful, he still loves us, but he's still going to invite us into what is best. When we don't choose what's best, he's not mad at you. But his ultimate desire is he wants us to trust him and to follow him. And can I just go ahead and say, he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. But every day we get several opportunities that reveal to us if we truly do trust him. See, a lot of times I've heard say that God reveals things so he can see where we are. Can I just tell you, God knows where you are. 
He is not surprised. Like, oh, you didn't choose me. No, he's not surprised. But there are opportunities so we can see where we are on this journey. Like, Lord, you are giving me this opportunity to trust you, even though I don't know the way, even though this doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me, because you are the one who is calling me, I'm going to go where you lead me. Because if we want to be like Jesus and we want to go where Jesus is leading, that desire and the Holy Spirit is what fuels our disciplined steps. That is what fuels our disciplined steps. What I love, I love so many things about Jesus. One of the things I love most about him is that he invites me to step into places that I never thought I would go. And he knows that I grow weary and he knows that sometimes I'll look at the evidence that I can see with my eyes and I might grow faint and I might grow nervous and I might not want to take a step. But him and his goodness sent us a helper. The person of the Holy Spirit who dwells within all people who have surrendered their life to Jesus and he is our strength and he is our courage and he leads us. But we still have to surrender to the way he is calling us to walk. But yet we are reminded and we walk because he is leading us. And the reason why we keep walking and the thing that we are walking to is Jesus. And I think the writer of Hebrews got it right. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we have seen many who have accepted the invitation to step into what is best, even if it requires temporary pain now, even if it requires suffering. We have seen those that have said yes to the invitation. And we recognize that the place they ended up was a better place since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders let us throw off the good let us throw off that sin let us throw off that great because we want what is best and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us who marked out the race the king did The king stepped out of heaven and walked as a human for 33 years. Why did he do that? To redeem us and also to show us the path in which to walk. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and that you will not lose heart. What do you want the most? What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? What invitation do you need to accept from the king? What prompting do you need to give into from the Holy Spirit that will lead you to what is best? Maybe for some of us, it's recognizing that we haven't done the best job of taking care of the temple in which we have been given. That's our bodies. And maybe to take the next best step means that maybe it involves working out or getting a trainer or eating better. I don't know. But not just to check something off of a list. It's so that you can do what you've been called to do all the better. 
Maybe it's you want your marriage to reflect Jesus more. That might require a date night. That might require counseling. That might require that you get in a group with other couples so that you can be sharpened. And let me go ahead and say this. A lot of times when it comes to being disciplined, we do things one time or two times and we expect everything to change. Well, Lord, I invited my wife to go on a date and now she's not clapping every time I walk in the house. Lord, I know there have been years and years of me not choosing her well, but I did bring her flowers. So she should be appreciative of that and we should be good now. No, 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 no. A lot of times we like to overestimate the short term, but here's the other thing we do. We underestimate the long continued pressing and walking and walking. What do I mean by that? Who knows where you will be a year from now? If you continue to accept the invitation to walk where the Lord is inviting you. He has invited us to look like Christ. He has invited us to trust him. And the only way we're going to get to the destination in which he is calling us is to get in the yoke, to go in the ways he is calling us to walk so that we can end up in the place that he has called us to be. See, we're going to sing a song here, and I want to go ahead and be really transparent with you. The song we're about to sing, I do not like. You're like, what? You're a pastor. You don't like a worship song? I do not like this worship song. Can I just tell you a little bit about myself? Like, I won't lie to you, but I have been guilty many of times of lying through singing. In this song, it's called Oceans. We have sang it lots of times. I've probably sang it lots of times over the five, over five, the last five or six years. Sing a lot. But there's this part where it says, Spirit, lead me to a place beyond my borders. What? Like, think about this for a second. We are singing to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead me to a place where I'm not in control. Lead me to a place that makes me uncomfortable. Lead me to a place I have never been to before. And I have sung that song, be like, yes, Lord, lead me. And then he'll do the very thing I just sang for him to do. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing the exact thing that you asked me to do. I'm leading you to a better place. I'm leading you to the best place. And you don't like the path because you're not in control and you're not leading and it requires something of you. But Nick, I promise you, you want to go to where I'm leading. And so in order for us to be where Jesus is and to go the path that has been marked out for us, we have to do something that is scary and sometimes painful. It's to release the boat that we have built with our own hands. Why? Because it's not leading us to the destination that we really want. And yet Jesus stands up on the waters and invites us to walk. And he goes, I'm enough. Just trust me. And eventually, orchestrated step, disciplined steps, one after the other, will eventually lead us to the place that we all really want to go. And it's with Jesus. So we're going to sing that song. And I pray that our words will lead our feet. I pray that we can sing this in spirit and in truth. I pray that we can sing this song and let it be the way we navigate our life. I trust you, Jesus, and I will go where you called me to go. So if you would, I invite you to pray with me before we sing this. Jesus, thank you in your goodness that you will call us to where you are.
It doesn't make sense that a good king would invite a wayward people to where he is. It doesn't make sense that a good king would invite a people who have run, a people who have done it their own way for so long. It doesn't make sense that a king would still invite us to the banquet table and to eat until we're full. But Jesus, may we accept your invitation. Why? Because we want what is best and you are just that. So Lord, even though it requires faith, even though it requires trust, may we be willing to walk where you are leading. May we be willing to follow where your spirit is leading. And may we be willing to go to a place that's far beyond our borders. Why? Because that is where you are. And so, Father, let this truth that we sing be the way our feet navigate and the posture of our hearts. And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation. 